Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Be Careful Out There. I'm Chris. And I'm Kelsey. And today I have a story about a kidnapping, a very high-profile kidnapping with a ransom involved that took place back in 1953. Ooh, interesting. A kidnapping with a ransom. It sounds like it'd be really fun if it was a Western. Like, I'd be down if this was like a Western story, you know? I don't know why, but that just kind of feels like the vibe <laughs> right now. I'm not sure it'll be quite what you're looking for, but hopefully it'll still be pretty entertaining. I'm just thinking about like cowboys like coming <laughs> in, stealing a treasure a and then riding off into the sunset. Like I don't know. That just sounds like the vibe right now. Well, maybe maybe that's where it'll go. We'll find out. But real quick, I would like to give a trigger warning for child death. I know we haven't been giving any trigger warnings at the beginning of episodes, um, it's something that we've considered before and kind of decided against just because of, you know, like the disturbing nature of a lot of the content on this show. But it has been requested that we start doing that. So we will be doing that from now on, just based on feedback. Yes. Uh, thank you to JD, who is our one and only Patreon for the time being. Um, JD did suggest that we start doing trigger warnings, which is definitely something we had considered in the past. Um, it seemed a little redundant given that this is a true crime podcast, but with specific things like sexual assault, domestic violence, the death of a child, those can be severely triggering for some people, even people who enjoy true crime. Yeah. So we're going to start giving just like a blanket warning at the beginning of every episode. And then if there are any of those highly triggering things within the episode, we will also highlight that at that point. Yes, so thank you for that feedback. And uh, that's all I have to say before we get into it. Um, Chris, anything else you want to tell us? 
Actually, yes. So I told you this yesterday when it happened. I called you and left you a voicemail because it was so funny, but I want to tell the listeners. So I was dropping off someone's pizza and they answered the door. And it's not unusual that people have a dog that they're like holding back behind them. So they barely open the door. So she like barely opened the door, reached her arm out. You know, I gave her the pizza. And then as she was taking it in, she looked back at the dog and it clipped the door frame and she dropped the pizza and the box flipped over <laughs> and landed face down on the ground. <laughs> and this was as I had like started to turn to walk away. And so I turned back around and I just see the pizza upside down on the ground. And she looks at me and she goes, well, I'm glad I'm the one who dropped it and not you. <laughs> and I was like, well, have a good night. And then I walked down the stairs because this was on the second floor of an apartment. <laughs> but when I got back, a, when I got to the bottom of the stairs, I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> and then B, when I got back to the store, I told the manager and the manager was like, okay, well, I'll call them because that pizza is probably destroyed and then we'll just remake it for them, uh, which I thought that was a really nice thing because it wasn't our fault. It was obviously the guest's fault, but she was willing to remake it for them because it, it'd be pretty upsetting if you spent your hard-earned money on a pizza and then it got ruined before you could even enjoy it. So she called the guest and they claimed that the pizza was fine. I don't know if they were too embarrassed to ask for a remake <laughs> or if it actually was fine. If it actually was fine, I'm super impressed because it was a very fresh pizza right out of the oven that flipped upside down. I highly doubt that pizza was fine. <laughs> just knowing, just seeing my fair share of pizzas that have fallen or been in car crashes or whatever like i seriously doubt that pizza was fine but i did think it was super nice of the manager to call and like offer to remake it and everything and the other day i actually had a delivery that specifically said that it was going to like the roof workers at a house uh -huh. and i was like okay so these people are at work they're at their job they didn't ask for paper plates they didn't ask for napkins they didn't ask for parm uh, like the parm packets or the red pepper packets or anything like that. But I was like, these people are at work and you never know if the construction workers order the food for themselves or sometimes the homeowner will order it for the construction workers as an extra thank you. I've seen that happen a few times, which is always super cool to see that, um, that they cared enough about the construction workers to like give them a little extra and like provide their lunch and stuff. Like I always love that. But they didn't ask for any of these extras and I decided to just bring it to them. And I was just kind of thinking about like little niceties, like when the manager called and offered to remake that lady's pizza. We really don't think about like very, very, very tiny, nice gestures like that, like taking somebody some plates and napkins when they didn't ask for it. Um, but those little things can be enough to make someone's day. And if that makes their day, then they're more likely to go out and have a positive impact on someone else's life and then have a positive impact on someone else's life. And then that person could, we really have no idea how far it goes. Yeah. Cause a lot of human interaction is like the reverse of that. Um, mm -hmm. just kind of like, um, one negative experience turns into another negative experience and then they spread that and then it goes everywhere until everybody's in a bad mood. <laughs> Well, that's exactly so what I, I was going to highlight. Of that. I was going to highlight that the opposite of that is also true. Like if you're frustrated, you're having a bad day and someone cuts you off and then you drive past them and flip them off or whatever, you know, that could ruin their day. And then they're upset and they ruin someone else's day and they ruin someone else's day and they ruin someone else's day. So it's like 
We have no idea how much good one little act of kindness can do. And we also have no idea how much bad one negative interaction can cause. And so I think that's just a good reminder for people to just try and keep that mindset and try and put more positive vibes out there in the world than negative ones, because we really don't know how much that one action might get magnified throughout society. Exactly. And a lot of times when you do have like an unpleasant experience with someone, I feel like it kind of came about from another negative experience that they had. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just always the origin. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely harder to be empathetic and do those little acts of kindness when you're in your feels or you're having a bad day or whatever. Um, But I think for all of us in general, if we can just try our best and sometimes our best isn't great, but if we can just try our best to do more good than bad, I think overall the world will be a happier place. And that's just my little hint of light before we get into this story that's probably darkness. Oh, and one last thing before Kelsey dives into the story here, we did get um, a couple nice messages and emails that I will be reading towards the end of the podcast. We're going to wait till after the story for that because maybe not everybody wants to hear those, but we're going to have a couple shout outs at the end and read a couple nice messages that we received. So that'll be fun. So we started on a light note and then we're going to have a dark story, but we'll end on a light note as well. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So this was a kidnapping, and the young boy's name was Robert Cosgrove Greenlease, but he went by Bobby. He was the son of Robert Cosgrove Greenlease Sr., a super wealthy Cadillac dealer, and his wife, Virginia Pollock Greenlease. On September 28, 1953, Bobby went to school at the French Institute of Notre Dame de Sion. Sorry, I have have a terrible French accent, and I actually know... Uh, a good chunk of the language now, so it's pretty embarrassing, but moving on. Yeah, haven't you learned like a thousand (laughs) words in French? Something like that. (laughs) On some of the podcasts (laughs) I listen to, I always hear about, um, I think it's Babbel or something like that, one of those apps that talks Uh about having the true accent feature, and (laughs) then you could perfect your accent, but I guess Duolingo isn't helping enough with the accent. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he went to his French uh, school for the day. Um, Yeah, like he would on any normal day. But this day was different because a woman showed up at his school pretending to be his aunt. She told Sister Mirand, a member of the staff, 
that Bobby's mother had had a heart attack and that she had been taken to St. Mary's Hospital. She appeared to be really upset, so Sister Miranda just assumed that this woman was telling the truth. And when she went to go get Bobby from his class, he took the woman's hand and left in a taxi with her. You know, that's kind of interesting that school officials sometimes will just believe somebody. Because that happened to me when I was in high school. A guy... That's harder for me to believe. Like back in the 50s, I can believe it. Uh-huh. But that's a little shocking. Yeah, my junior year of high school, I won't say his name, but a guy that I knew came and picked me up from school <laughs> one day. And my mom had given him permission to do so, just to put that out there. But the plan was that me, him, and his friend, who had very, very wealthy parents, um, his friend was a pilot and had his own private plane, not like a luxurious private jet. Like, this is like a three- or four-seater plane. This is a little, (laughs) little plane. This is not a luxurious private jet. But he picked me up my junior year of high school, uh, and we were going to... Go for a flight. We honestly didn't know where. We were thinking about maybe Vegas, but at the time I was like 17. So what am I going to do at Vegas? So we hadn't really decided where we were going to go. We were just going to get on this guy's private plane and just fly fly away and figure out the plans as we go. That was instead of going to school. Yeah, for yeah, the day. I I left school for that. Yeah. So I was uh I think it was a Friday or something, and then we were just going to spend the weekend just kind of going wherever. And then um, we got there and the hydraulics pressure was low on the plane or whatever. And the guy's mechanic was off for the day, so he couldn't check it out. And obviously with the plane, you you definitely don't want to risk it because if anything goes wrong, it could go way wrong. So we ended up not flying anywhere. Yeah, just the concept of people getting checked out of school by somebody completely <laughs> random definitely seems plausible to me. Yeah. Because it happened to me. Yeah, maybe it's also just like a small town thing. Also, I'm so sad that I didn't get to go on that ride because that would be the only time that I would have ever been on a private plane. (laughs) Oh, that's so sad. Sorry, it didn't happen for you. I mean, maybe it'll happen at some point in my life, but thus far, I have not received that opportunity again. (laughs) So yeah, he took the woman's hand and left in a taxi with her. And Sister Miranda saw this whole interaction And there wasn't a doubt in her mind that this was his aunt. But it was not. This woman's name was Bonnie Hetty, and she was working with a man named Carl Hall. They were not family members, just kidnappers. Carl had come from a well-off family, but after the death of his parents, he had blown through his inheritance money of $200,000. And his ideal job was just organized crime. Well, I mean... So this isn't organized crime, but one of my favorite people to ever watch on reality TV is Tyson Apostle from Survivor. And I was listening to his podcast one day and he was like, yeah, I work 90 hours a week just so that way I don't have to work a normal nine to five job. And there are just people like that, that they just don't want a normal job. They just don't want a nine to five. Now, taking the criminal route probably isn't the best way to go, but there are a lot of people that just aren't built for the nine to five lifestyle. Side note, if you do have um, a deep appreciation for organized crime like I do, you should watch This Is... Wait, yeah, This Is a Robbery on Netflix. 
Oh, yeah, that is very interesting. I don't even think we finished it. No, we did not finish it, and we need to. I think I had listened to a podcast about that particular robbery and heard that there was like a docuseries on Netflix. That's why we started watching it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's super interesting. I know. It, It really held my attention like every second. It held your attention so much that we didn't finish it. Yeah. That's that's a (laughs) great way to put it. (laughs) That's not uncommon for me, actually. I'll get really into a show and then not finish it. Who has the time? I mean, (laughs) I literally... I mean, yeah, that's the issue. We're recording this Sunday night at 10 p.m. and I worked 60 hours this week. When do we have time to finish watching a show? Exactly. We don't. So yeah, organized crime. That was his plan for earning a living. And he saw this kidnapping as a get-rich-quick scheme. But interestingly, Carl also had attended school with Bobby's adopted older brother. And I'm guessing they didn't get along because Carl had been planning for years to hurt this family in some way. And I couldn't find much information about Bonnie Hetty. Other than that, she had also come from a well-off family and they were both alcoholics at the time. So these were the hands that Bobby had fallen into. And it didn't take the school very long to realize that Bobby had been kidnapped because Bobby was picked up by Bonnie Hetty at 10.55 that day. And then at 11.30, sister Marthana, another member of the staff, called Bobby's family to see how his mother was doing. And Mrs. Greenlease was the one to answer from her home, not the hospital. And obviously she was doing just fine. But that meant that a random woman had picked up Bobby from school. But they couldn't have made that phone call before handing off a child to a stranger. No. Oh, the disappointment. I just wonder how bad she felt, though. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sure this person is terrified, A, for what may happen to the child for their job and just like the horror that they're the one who allowed this to happen. I'm sure this person is devastated unless they were in on the kidnapping, which it doesn't sound like. I know. Like just imagine like some dumb mistake like this, like defining the rest of your life like that. Like that's got to be tough. Oh yeah. So Mrs. Greenlease obviously freaked out and called her husband to come home immediately. And Robert reported Bobby is missing to the local police who in turn reported it to the FBI. The Greenleys family received their first ransom letter a few hours after the kidnapping, and the letter demanded a duffel bag containing $600,000 in 10s and 20s. In today's money, that would be almost $7 million. The letter said that everything would be fine and that Bobby would return home safely in 24 hours as long as the money was delivered without any tricks. They sent another letter the next day asking for the money again, and this time they had also sent a medal that Bobby had been wearing at school the previous day. Okay, so at least they know that the ransom letters are coming from the person that has Bobby, for sure. Yes. They said that Bobby was fine and just feeling homesick. All in all, there were 15 phone calls and over half a dozen ransom letters, with the last one coming in on October 5th. And in the last letter, the kidnapper stated that they had received the full amount of money and that Bobby was still alive and would be returned in 24 hours. So yeah, Robert and Virginia did cooperate with the kidnappers because that's what they thought would get them their son back. But sadly, this wasn't the case. 
It turns out the kidnappers had killed Bobby shortly after picking him up from school. They got their money, but I guess it was never their plan to give Bobby back because his grave was dug before he was even taken from school that day. This is horrific. Yeah, I've heard people say that you should never pay the ransom if anything like that ever happens because, A, like in this case, Bobby was killed shortly after they picked him up from school, um, or B, if they do have the person still alive, by paying them the ransom, you lose all the leverage you have. So why would they keep that person around? Why would they go out of their way to return them once they have the money? It's more risky for them to return the person. So I've heard that you should never pay the ransom. I have no idea if that's true or not. That's just what I've heard. But because I mean, of situations like this. I know. And, and that's what I would think, too. But imagine being in this awful situation where you have to make that decision. Oh, yeah. As a parent, like, you as a parent, you would pay anything to get your child. Like, back. I can't really see a situation like this where, like, the parents who really love their kid wouldn't pay that money if they had it. Yeah. Like, they would for be... some reason, I just can't really see that happening, even if logically they know that they really shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And this is one case where like law enforcement can step in and be like, no, you need to not not pay this money here. And like, here's why. Yeah, that's just what a, a terrible, a, what a terrible situation to be in. I know. So I guess Carl really hated the Greenlees family that much that he had to get their money and kill their son. And you know what? They were as stupid as they were evil. Because they were both caught and arrested the very next day. The police had received a call the next afternoon from a cab driver named John Oliver Hager. And he was able to provide enough information to lead to the arrest of Carl, who was staying at the Townhouse Hotel in St. Louis. And once they got him, he gave up his girlfriend Bonnie as well, who was staying somewhere else. And she was arrested too. This was the day after the last ransom note promising Bobby's return. So yeah, they got their money. They had it for a day, and then it all came to an end because they decided to kill Bobby. Carl admitted to the planning of and the actual abduction of Bobby and to burying him in Bonnie's yard, but not to actually killing him. And I mean, what a dumb place to bury him to, if they had at all thought that they could get away with this. Like, they didn't even try to take him to a remote location where he wouldn't be found. Because they were dumb and stupid and evil. Well... It's interesting. So you said Bobby was buried in Carl's backyard? In um, in Bonnie's yard. Oh, in Bonnie's yeah. yard. Okay. I feel like that's something that has happened with other serial killers in the past. Um, I can't remember if it was Dahmer or Bundy. I don't think it was Bundy. I think it may have been Dahmer who buried people either in his backyard or under his house, like in the cross space. Maybe it was John Wayne Gacy. I don't know. I can't I feel remember. I like I've heard of something like I, I've that I've heard as well. of some case like that. But when it's on your private property, police have to have like search warrants in order to be able to search your property. So there have been serial killers in the past that would just bury their victims in their own backyard. Like, so like it's as happened an advantage, multiple times. Yeah. I wasn't really thinking about it like it, as an yeah, advantage. It has happened multiple times. I don't necessarily think it's an advantage or disadvantage. I think advantage is a weird word that well, I don't yeah. necessarily think you meant to use. No, there, I was but. just sort of thinking like I had 
either one of those could work uh, in certain um, situations. Yeah, it, it has allowed some people to dis- escape detection for a certain amount of time until police were able to get a search warrant. But with other people also, it's just like if they find a body buried in your backyard, it's going to be hard for you to get out of that, you know, throughout court to prove that it wasn't you or whatever. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So I don't know. That's weird that it's not the first time that I've heard about a victim being buried in the murderer's backyard. Mm -hmm. Later, Carl tried to blame it on a guy named Tom Marsh saying that they had handed Bobby over to him. And then he changed his story again and admitted that Tom Marsh was not indeed a real person and that he and Bonnie were the only individuals connected to the crime. But on October 11th, the whole truth finally came out. After the kidnapping, Carl and Bonnie had taken Bobby to an area of Overland Park outside of Kansas City where Carl had shot the boy to death. They then drove him 45 miles to St. Joseph, Missouri, to bury him in Bonnie's yard. And then, of course, Bonnie admitted to helping write the ransom letters, as well as to pretending to be Bobby's aunt and taking him from school. But the police had recovered the body on October 7th, a few days before the full confession of what all had happened. He was buried near Bonnie's porch, and he had been put into a plastic bag over which a large quantity of lime had been poured. I saw this in a couple of different places, um, including the FBI report. I'm guessing they're talking about just lime juice. Like, they wrapped him in a plastic bag and then poured maybe some juice from a bunch of limes over it. I don't know. I just assumed they thought this would work as some sort of preservative. And I looked it up, and yeah, lime can act as a natural preservative. I can't think of any other reason they would do this. But interestingly, There were also flowers on the grave. I hate this detail. I swear to God, these monsters. That's so disgusting. These people were super privileged coming from wealthy families and then had some beef with this other family. And then this vindictive little shit was like, well, I have a miserable life because I'm an alcoholic and I blew all this money. And so I'm going to take my hate out on this family for no reason. So I'm going to harm this innocent little child who did nothing to me to get back at this family because I'm a fucking coward. Like, fuck these people. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like, the entire time I was doing the research for this, I was like, this is such a clusterfuck. These fucking losers. Oh my God, that's so disgusting. I know. There were bloodstains found in a couple of places inside Bonnie's house, including the basement floor. Also, several shell casings were found that were traced back to the gun that Carl had with him when he was arrested. So yeah, I feel like we'll just never know exactly what happened. Um, Who knows where Bobby was actually killed, but Carl and Bonnie were clearly responsible for his death regardless. They appeared in a federal court on October 30th, so just later that same month. This was such a rapid process. During the trial, the jury deliberated for about an hour before recommending the death penalty for both Bonnie and Carl. That's interesting. I've heard people say, I've never had to be on a jury. Um, I've never gotten summoned for jury duty or anything like that. But I have heard people say that it takes about an hour to fill out the paperwork. Mm -hmm. So that means the jury basically instantly decided, yep, death penalty. Let's start filling out this paperwork so we can get the fuck out of here. Like that's like an hour long deliberation is basic. 
basically like an instant deliberation know, by the jury. They're because, like, fuck you, you're guilty. Yeah, in the article it said um it it said like only an hour or something. Yeah. And I didn't know about the paperwork part. So I was like, were they really talking about this for an hour? I just had no clue how it worked. <laughs> no, I, I've heard that it takes 30 minutes to an hour to fill out the paperwork. So yeah, that was basically an instant. Fuck you. You're guilty. You piece <laughs> of shit. Go die in a hole. Well, then That's I basically really what love they that. Said. <laughs> and then 15 minutes after that, Judge L. Reeves sentenced both individuals to be put to death on December 18th. Judge Reeves said, I think the verdict fits the evidence. It is the most cold-blooded, brutal murder I have ever tried. And it was brutal. There wasn't even a reason to kill Bobby. I think they just wanted to get the money, but also toy with the Greenlease family. I think it gave them a weird pleasure. But also there are reports of some of the ransom calls saying um, that the conversation eventually broke down because the kidnappers were so drunk. These are the people that I feel deserve the worst deaths imaginable. Like on death row, they try to make inmates deaths like as painless and as humane as possible. But these people killed a child as if it was a coyote, you know, like a wild animal. Mm -hmm. But this was a child. These people deserve the absolute worst. These people deserve... For somebody to take a hammer and 10 six-inch nails and hammer them into their torso and then just let them slowly bleed to death. Like, that's what these people deserve. I don't disagree. The problem is somebody would have to do that and that would psychologically fuck someone up because, like, that would have to be someone's job if that was the thing. And then also, I Makes wouldn't... such a good point there. Yeah, and I also wouldn't support that for, like, everybody because you... You have to think throughout history, there have been people who were put to death wrongly. So it does make sense yeah. to try and make it as humane as possible. It's just like when you hear of sick fucks like this, you really want them to suffer. But sadly, that's never really going to happen. You want them to feel the pain that the family felt, that the victim felt like you. You want them to have to feel that and they never will. Oh, man. Well, I mean, Robert Greenlease, what he had to say about it was he said the sentence was too good for them, but it was the best the law provided. Yeah, that's about <laughs> what I said. Exactly. <laughs> Just uh, a little more poetically yes. and very brief. So, yeah, the, this was just a very unfortunate combination of stupidity and evil. So they were executed together in a gas chamber, um, not even three months after kidnapping Bobby. So the world never has to deal with them again. Thank God. <laughs> no, I, I don't like that. I don't like that they were executed together in a gas chamber. No, I think as soon as they were determined guilty, they should have been separated and never allowed to see each other again. From the time they were convicted to the time they died, they should have never got to see each other. Like they should have been executed separately, never get to see each other again. Like cause them as much pain as you physically can. Like they are never allowed to see each other again after that <laughs> shit. That's just my opinion. I said that nobody has to deal with them ever again, <laughs> except I did see that Bonnie Hetty reportedly showed up as a ghost on Ghost Adventures. <laughs> what yeah no well a that show's like fake as fuck like i used to love to watch that show as a kid but i guarantee you they're faking a lot of that shit no they just did an episode at the missouri state penitentiary and they were talking about how 
there had been one woman to die in the gas chamber and how it was Bonnie Hetty. So there's a fun tidbit of information. I used to love watching ghost adventures. And honestly, I think I would have fun with it now. I'm the kind of person that I can very easily imagine myself in any situation. Uh And so just to like put myself there, even though I know these scenarios are faked, just like believing that it's real and like putting myself there, I can creep myself out with shows like that. Me too. I really enjoy shows like that, even though I know that 90% of it is probably staged. Yeah. That no, doesn't, I feel that you. doesn't take away from you the can, fun for You can me. suspend your disbelief enough to be a little afraid. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. But there's also a little bit more to the story uh, concerning the ransom money. So originally, the story that Carl gave to the police was that upon receiving the ransom money, he and Bonnie had transported about half of it from the duffel bag to two metal suitcases and buried them in an ash pit outside of St. Louis. They had then taken the rest and gotten super drunk and went to a super cheap motel. And when Bonnie passed out after having too many drinks, Carl immediately took the remainder of the money and left. But he did leave her with $2,000. So yeah, not much actual love between these criminals. Uh, Carl then went to the Congress Hotel, a more expensive one in town, where he bought the services of a prostitute. But all this to say, Carl ended up later changing the story and claiming that he never buried any money and that the entire $600,000 was on him at the time of his arrest. However, the two arresting officers only turned in $250,000, and when Carl claimed that the entire $600,000 had still been there, the St. Louis Police Department believed him, and so did Robert Greenlease. So both of the arresting officers, Lieutenant Lewis Ira Shoulders and Patrolman Elmer Dolan, were federally indicted and convicted of perjury. That's so interesting. That's so, <laughs> That's so maybe funny. we have some dirty cops or maybe Carl just changed his story 37,000 times for fun. I don't know. I seriously doubt that they would be convicted unless they could find some sort of financial records. Like they bought this super nice house, this super nice boat, this super nice car, all in cash. That's a little suspicious. So I seriously doubt that they were convicted without more evidence. Uh, I don't think they would have just taken the word of a convicted murderer. Um, But That's actually really funny that the cops were like, well, let's just turn in some of this money and just keep the rest. (laughs) That's so it's so fucked up. But what's funny about it is it's exactly the thing you would expect a cop to do. I know I I can believe a dirty cop. So (laughs) later, after Lieutenant Shoulders had passed away, Elmer Dolan received a pardon from U.S. President Lyndon B. Johnson by claiming that the reason he had lied before was because he had been more afraid of Lieutenant Shoulders than of going to prison. So what kind what kind of organized crime is going on within the police department? Hold on. I can't get past Lieutenant Shoulders. Yes, Lieutenant Shoulders. Because he doesn't have a head, just shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'd be a little smarter if he had a head on Maybe. those shoulders. <laughs> Maybe. Well, Bonnie's last name was Hedy, and uh, she was pretty dumb. 
Did Hetty ever meet shoulders? Well, they were the arresting officers. So I guess so. so. I guess Hetty did <laughs> meet sure shoulders did meet. <laughs> at some point. I guess so. I forgot the arresting officer part. That's really <laughs> great. <laughs> so yeah, there was this whole other shady thing that was going on, which is kind of to be expected because it did involve a large sum of money, which is why if you have a lot of money, you'll want to be careful out there. Wow, that was a absolutely sickening story. Like I I know we joked around and like had some fun laughing, especially at the officers and stuff, but for a kid to be an innocent child to be killed because one person just disliked a family. Like that's so to upsetting be to hear. Killed and and never know why you were killed. That that that's was, just so sad. Like yeah. this was a kid that had his entire life ahead of him. Just an innocent little child. That's just so disgusting to me. I know. Those poor parents. Well, why don't we brighten things up and you can read some emails? Okay. Yes. So I will start off with a DM that we got from Ruth. And I did get Ruth's permission to read her message on the podcast. Ruth sent us a message and said, Hey guys, I've been listening since episode one. Love the dynamic you have and hearing your little antidotes from personal life and obviously the content. But please give yourself a break. You work so hard on your day job and the podcast. Maybe just switch down to two episodes a week. For now at least anyway. Lots of love from London, UK. Hey, I think it's so cool that we've got someone from London who's consistently listening to the podcast. I love that. And that is so sweet of you to say. (laughs) It is so sweet. I do think we're going to continue with the three episodes a week as much as we can. We might miss an episode here or there, but we're going to try our best to do the three because we're really having fun with it. It's starting to slowly make us a little bit of money and we just want to be consistent, build a community. Hopefully we'll get some Patreons along the way to help support us. And then hopefully we can do this instead of our day jobs or at least cut down to, you know, 40 hours, 30 hours or whatever, and then do the podcast on the side. That's kind of our our end goal. Um, So I think we are going to stick with the three times a week. Yes, it's really hard now, but we hope it gets easier with time. Yeah. And it's people like you who send us messages who like make us really want to keep doing three episodes per week. Yes, we love getting the the messages and just to see that a community is starting to form and we're starting to gain followers and all that. And like, it's just so fun to watch and so fun to be a part of. Right. Okay. And then we got an email from Andrea and Andrea said, hi, first, I'd like to say that I love your podcast. I listened to Let's Not Meet and that's how I found you two. I've been with you since episode two, I believe. So a little personal note. I'm a new empty nester. We raised four biological boys and adopted two girls. After six kiddos, it's a very quiet and different world for us right now. Your show brings me joy because you remind me of my youngest boy and his live-in girlfriend. I don't know her very well, but I hope she is a good fit for my son as you two seem to be for one another. I love how respectful you are to one another and the respect you give the stories you are telling. You both seem very wise above your years. If you ever do listener tales, maybe I will share with you one day. Maybe she meant to say I will share one with you one day. 
I've never submitted anything on a podcast before. I was interviewed on one once, but I was a hot mess. LOL. That's okay. We have no idea what we're doing. We're a couple hot messes here. (laughs) Who gave us a podcast? For real. (laughs) Now, as for the Hart Twins, I work in the foster care system. I also volunteered for years at a local battered women's shelter. Abusive men, like this man was, often get very jealous of their children and the attention they get from mama. Unfortunately, it happens more than you might think. I hate to say it, but I do believe he probably hurt his babies. At very least, he should have a felony child endangerment charge for the rest of his life just for leaving them at that park, period. But that's my opinion. You're welcome to share my opinion, name, and email if you'd like. I don't mind. I look forward to hearing more stories. Take care of one another. Be blessed. And most importantly, be careful out there. (laughs) We love that. Yes, that's so great. So... Yesterday, I was having not really a bad day at work, just kind of a longer day. And like Chris called me in the middle of my shift to like read me that message. And it made me so happy. So thank you. Yes, that was so interesting to hear. And also, I loved hearing how we like fit into her life, how she was saying now she's an empty nester. So she probably has just a lot more free time. Things are a lot quieter, like she said. And it's so interesting for us to fit in someone's life in that way, because like, we're such busy people. We constantly have things going on. We're constantly going to work and just to, you know, fit into someone's life where they have a nice quiet moment to like listen to a podcast. Like it's just so interesting. Yeah, that really is. And then as I stated earlier, we did get a message from JD who did suggest the trigger warnings. He sent me that message over on Patreon. So again, thank you for that note. And we are going to start implementing that like we did at the beginning of this episode. All right, everyone, I think that wraps up this episode. If you enjoyed it and you want to help support the podcast, the best thing you can do is leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you want to send us a message or send in case suggestions, that can be sent in to becarefulouttherepodcast at gmail.com. If you like the podcast and you want to give us a follow, we post a new episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And as always, be Be careful careful out out there. there.